0: This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 60.
1: Each day from my office, I get to see how homeopathy is transforming lives all over the globe, and I want to share them with you. Some of my students have really caught my eye. Some of you have done all you can to learn how to cure those around you using homeopathic medicines. And your successes inspire me. They're glorious and powerful, and I can't keep these successes a secret any longer. So, with help from my roving reporters, we bring you a mini podcast series that I call Moms with Moxie, and sometimes we even interview dads with audacity. See how regular mothers and others, average people who want to cure those around them, have gone from freaking to fabulous with homeopathy.
0: and I'm super excited to be here today with another Mom with Moxie, and her name is Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Kate. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you and excited for what you have to share with us. So, Lisa, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family.
1: Well, I am a mom. I am a hobby farmer. I am a student of homeopathy. I am currently attending a um, homeopathic college uh, in Ontario because this is what I want to be. And you know what? I have Joette to thank for that, actually. So I have two children. I have cats, dogs, horses, ducks, and quails. Oh, quails.
0: And a husband. husband. (laughs) I like how you say that last. And a husband. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So I think many of the people listening to this podcast might be super interested and their ears might have perked up when they heard that you were actually attending college um, for homeopathy. So tell us a little bit about that. Are you loving it?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, Absolutely. I I am. I am picking away at it slowly at night because I have my days quite preoccupied and full with all these children and animals okay. and you know it's just such a lovely thing to do at the end of the day it's like my kind of my reward i get to study but during the day i, I can listen to joette's webinars and it helps so much with my school i am able to go so much faster through it because i have got all this foundation first from joette and so it makes it such a pleasure you know you you found something that you love and you're doing it that's and i'm able to apply all of this knowledge to everything on the farm and my kids i use nothing conventional and not that i have anything against um conventional medicine my son had to go through a couple of brain surgeries and i'm very thankful for modern medicine but for you know 99 percent of what we have to deal with in our lives I can do it myself, which is so empowering and so wonderful. So thanks, Duet. Love ya.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So wow, your son had to have surgery. That is really um, difficult and hard. Tell us the situation if you don't mind sharing.
1: No, of course. Uh, He had hydrocephalus, which is when, um, I mean, if you look on the internet, the the pictures are quite um, freaky, especially for a mother. So thankfully, we were able to get a brilliant surgeon who, and I won't go into all the details, but who managed to uh, correct it. It had, it had to happen twice. And so the first time we did the pre-surgery protocol, and it was – Great, he came out of it amazing, like flying colors, no infections, nothing. But the one thing that I will never forget, um, because you know Ignacia was so amazing for me at that time, when you're preparing for your son to go into brain surgery, and you know you're told by the physician that he could die, or there's could be, uh, you know, something that you touch in the brain where you wish your child had died because they're a vegetable now. And so you hear those things and, um, you know, it's a little traumatic.
0: And oh, of so. Of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine. And so, I mean, <clears throat> no, and nobody should have to. But um, we you know, did a lot of prayer. And I remember being in the hotel room because we had to go to a different city to get the operation. And I remember thinking, just take some Ignatia. And so I took, like one dose is all I really needed. And I was able to immediately, just a piece came over me. It was amazing. And we were able to go forward. And then for the second surgery, same thing. So we did the pre-surgery protocol, which Joette gives free on her blog, I believe. and um, And then the after, Surgery protocol, and then hydrocephalus is very bold. It's a clear one for use the usage of calc carb, and he is a very calc carb baby. Anyways, uh, so Joanne had given me some uh, advice that maybe give him calc carb for you know a month afterwards, and he's been fantastic ever since. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Wow. So that's that's that surgery, I'm leaving out some details, but you know we only have yeah. a certain amount of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> Now, did you say he had to have two surgeries? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So with a certain surgery, they, make, it, they would usually put a shunt in to, yeah, from his brain to his stomach, which is, oh, oh it's, such, it's such a pain because they get blocked, they get infected, it's terrible. But this particular surgeon went and studied in Africa where they don't have access to shunts, because they just can't afford it. And so they have to do a different surgery where they make another hole in the brain for the cerebral spinal fluid to drain out. And that's what they did. And so the first time he went in and did it, I mean, this is right by the brainstem, right? So it's a very, very serious thing. And so he didn't want to go too close. And so he made the hole, but it wasn't quite big enough and so a month later it completely closed up and then we had to do it again and the second Um, time you know there's a 25 percent chance that it will work but i knew in my heart that it would it just needed to be bigger and so you know once you get past like the six month mark that's when the doctor says you throw a party because it's done and so now he's over two the second surgery happened when he was eight months so we're all good we're all good he still has to go once a year for an mri but yeah he's really good so yes yay indeed yeah Wow. But you know what? I really don't mind cuz I mean, no one escapes, right? No one es- everybody's gone through stuff, right? It's all mm-hmm. in how you handle it. it. And these surgeries have given me such empathy for other people. I'm working with a woman whose son has a brain tumor, and I was able to reach out and help her and she listened to me because I had gone through something similar with my own mm-hmm. son. Not a tumor, but something very scary, right? right. And so We use, you know, God gives us these situations so we can use it. I don't, I don't say he gives it, he gets us through it. He uses it to make it um, something beautiful in somebody else's life and to give them encouragement that you went through it and you can do it too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really don't mind these situations.
0: (laughs) And it gives us so much empathy for other people in those situations as well. It's just amazing how God does take that and uses it to bless other people. Yes. Mm -hmm. -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your history because I think it's fascinating. When we were having a conversation before this call, you were talking about your family and their study of medicine. So tell us a little bit about your family.
1: Yeah. So my father's a physician, he's a neurologist. And I'll talk about it a little bit later on in our conversation, but it's very helpful to have a physician in the family for diagnostics, right? Because it is quite important the remedies I'm using aren't working, I can say, dad, am I mi- like, what am I missing? What's going on with him? And he'll say, oh, well, that's because of this. Oh, well, then now I know how to treat it, right? This is such an important thing. I had that same thing happened
0: when our dog was having some issues I took our dog to the groomer, and not that the groomer is a vet, but she's like, oh, I think your dog has this. And I was giving homeopathy, and it wasn't working, and when she gave me that little bit of information, oh my goodness, that makes total sense, and now I knew what homeopathy to use. I used that homeopathy, and within a day, those circumstances, that dog was feeling better. And so, it is so important. I feel like if the homeopathy isn't working, there's something that we're missing. If we know what it is, it's just so much easier to really nail that remedy down, that right remedy. Right. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, do you feel like you inherited some of this passion for healing from
1: your dad, Definitely. who's a neurologist? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. My father, he, you know, he's been in practice for over 40 years and he will do it until he's, you know, not here anymore. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what I would do. Like, I don't believe in retirement. I want to do this until I can't do it anymore. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: Because that's what we're here for. We're here to help others, right? In in one way, shape, or form. That's kind of what our role is on this earth, I, I think. So I was always into herbs and essential oils and natural stuff. And um, it's funny because I was raised on, you know, margarine and skim milk powder, <laughs> right? Because as a neurologist, you do whatever the Health Canada says. Oh, skim milk powder is right, then darn it, let's go get a big bag of it. I remember that. And then turning full circle, Um, away from that you get a new fresh perspective especially since everybody else is doing it do the opposite and you're probably on the right track and so when I was first a member of Weston a price foundation I was reading Joette's article and I, I had no idea who Joette Calabrese was she said it is your job as a mother to heal your family and that totally hit home and this was before I had kids I had a couple of dogs and that was it and I said yes Of course it is. That was it. And as soon as I read that article, the next day I was Googling her. I was ordering her the cell salts and the baby grand, and I got myself one of those little red top one hundred kits. And that was it. That was it. I was I was sold out for homeopathy. Yeah.
0: I know. Don't you feel like once you find homeopathy, it just trumps everything else that you've done? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, it's the same story. You know, a history of herbs and essential oils and nutrition, and those are all great things, but homeopathy, you just want to shout, this is it. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is it. This is it. And all
1: those other things are nice um, additives, right? That's it. Definitely. There's nothing else. There's there's nothing. And I talk to people all the time, I'm sure you do too, that have said, you know, one person I know was doing like breathing, and not to say anything bad about that modality, but breathing isn't going to heal your allergies properly. You know, it's this technique thing that people do. And I I said, okay, well, yeah, I'm here if you need me. And sure enough. Okay. Well, you know, maybe we can try a little something else too. (laughs) (laughs) The breathing wasn't really doing it for them all that Mm -hmm. great. So anyway, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm curious going back to your dad for just a minute. Is your father as a neurologist, is he supportive of you learning homeopathy and using homeopathy?
1: My dad's great. He had always said since the beginning that whatever you wanna do and you're happy doing it, great. We can have a discussion like you and I are having and it's completely fine. When I was teaching a class, about homeopathy and we were talking about fevers and he's of the old school where fevers are not that great because he says he sees people who might have you know they had febrile seizures and now it's affecting them later in life and I said there's no correlation and we'd love to have these conversations <laughs> and so then he's saying well whatever works works it doesn't matter you know if that works for you great huh. good for you great it works. okay But he's not willing to try, like, he has so many things I could help him with, but he's like, no, thanks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Lisa, tell us about some of the ways that you've used homeopathy um, to encourage those who are listening today.
1: Okay. Some of the ones that really stand out in my mind, a nice simple one. When I was pregnant with my first and I had just finished the drug-free family course, and I was petting our little puppy. She was itching a lot and I looked through her hair and I saw some lice and I quickly googled it and because I didn't want to get ice and It was coming from my chicken coop. It was like chicken lice and so it doesn't affect humans and so okay. I started to um, use essential oils and I did all that first. I don't know why I went there first, but I did and then that wasn't working wasn't helping and so I went into my drug-free family course and I looked under lice because it doesn't matter if it's humans or dogs mm-hmm. or sheep or cats or whatever. And I used the remedy for lice and a couple of days it was gone. And it's interesting because it works so fast. One, I think because my dogs are pretty pure. They eat raw. They have farm life. Mm-hmm. They have a good life, right? So I find that the remedies work faster with people who and animals that are purer. And so okay. within a couple of days, she was lice-free. It was gone. It was great. Yeah. And so that was the first. I was like, wow, holy, holy smokes. This is great because this, this is one of my first real triumphs. And then later on, I got a couple of horses. And, you know, they would always use just conventional deworming methods. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why wouldn't I just use Cinna for them? And so I did. I got a dropper bottles and I would just spray it into their mouth whenever I went to feed them. And that was that. It's it's gone, and it seems to work so well. I haven't even had to do it this year, so it's gone. I don't know if it's just it's inhospitable for a while now, or or I don't know. I guess I'll do it again when I see signs of worms.
0: So, how long did you use that for? And did you use it when you started seeing worms? How did you do that? Hmm. What did I do? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I would see one of the horses start to rub their bum because. Unfortunately, I'm super busy, so sometimes it needs to hit me in the face before I remember that, oh, shucks, I need to deworm them. And then I'll do that to both of them, and I'll just, so they'll just start to rub. I should do it preventatively. That would probably be a good thing, but I don't think it's a big deal if I'm doing it as it's happening, too.
0: Okay, so we got dogs.
1: We got horses. Horses. And you have other animal stories. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's nice to see success stories on Joette's Facebook page too, right? You see everybody has so many issues. It's really encouraging to see pictures and success stories. And Mm -hmm. so I saw one of my quails, and quails are kind of new to my farm. I've only had them for about a year and a half. And so I've noticed that they have some eye problems sometimes. And I got these quails from probably a place that was not so clean. and saw one of the eyes was completely covering over and infected and it was happening to the other eye as well and so i'm like well let's try if we can get a success story so i took a picture and then immediately started treating her with a combo dilution of euphrasia officinalis and mother tincture i used calendula and mother tincture and i used hepar sulf and i dissolved four pellets into that and i gave her like a a little um concoction and I would spray that twice a day once uh, in her eyes, both eyes, and then I'd give it to her in her mouth. And I don't have the exact dates with me, but I know within the week, it was completely gone. She was mm. totally fine, Wow. totally fine. And it was amazing, I, and so I have the before and after pictures on the forum, just Google like my name, and then um, the quails, quail okay. eyes or whatever.
0: This leads us into your chicken story. You have one of
1: those. Oh, yes. One of my chickens had bumblefoot, which is an infection in the bottom of the foot and their foot gets, it, it looks like there's a nail in almost the bottom of their foot. It gets really swollen and you can tell immediately because they start walking funny and then you just pick them up, you turn them over and you can see it. And so normally the treatment is when people do a little surgery at home and then they give oh. them antibiotics. Yeah. You do a little oh. surgery, you take out the nail thing and- It's not a real nail. It's just, what? I don't understand. The bumblefoot. So it's yeah. at the bottom of their foot. It looks like there's like a nail in their foot. But there's foot. not. There's no. not a nail. No. It looked, it's something. like a scab.
0: There oh. is something. Because
1: we did. The first time I thought it was a nail. So my husband pulled it out with tweezers. And it was not. I'm like, what the heck? And so then I Googled it. And it was bubble foot. Because that was our first time. That we experienced that. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I went into like, um, I have a homeopathy book for animals, and I started looking at that and, and tried that. Tried some different remedies there. I'm like, this isn't working. It's an infection, so I'm gonna give her heparin. Mm-hmm. And I did that, and same thing. It started to heal up pretty quick within the first few days. I started to see a difference, and then you know, at the end of the week, she was fine and it was gone. Oh my gosh. It was gone. Yeah, and the only treatment is antibiotics.
0: I'm sorry but every time I say that word bumblefoot in my mind I just I have this yeah. funny image in my head of bumblefoot. That's an interesting <laughs> name, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they say it won't go away unless you treat it with antibiotics, right?
1: Yeah, you do a little surgery and with the surgery obviously they give antibiotics, right? Uh. You give you give an analgesic <laughs> to the chicken and then you uh do your little mild surgery, pull it out and then Clean it up, give them an antibiotics, and then, you know. So I said, Well, I'm not going to do that. I'll just try with Heap salf, right? My chickens are great guinea pigs, right? Like, I don't mean to be cruel, but chickens die, and if I lose a chicken, it's not the end of the world, right? Mm. So I can try stuff on them.
0: So you would just put the Heap Ourself in the water?
1: I just, well, I grab my chicken at night and mm-hmm. spray it into her mouth. Oh, it okay. it into her mouth with a dropper. Yeah, I couldn't put it in all the water because then all the chickens would get it, right? So you used Keep Ourself 200 or 30? I started with 30. I think I just used 30. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get to some human stories. Okay. Oh, no, wait. You have to tell this story that you talked to me about earlier.
1: Oh, the porcupine. So, you know, it's seven in the morning. and You open the door, about to do your chores. You look out and your dog, one of your two German shepherds greets you. With a mouthful of porcupine quills. Yeah. It's oh. off. That's the word. And my husbands are gone. It's just me and the boys. So I called up some reinforcements, and um, my friend who's RCMP held each of my dogs down while I pulled them out one by one. It was awful. It was awful. And oh. so at the time, I didn't even think to give them anything either because they didn't want to take anything in their mouth. Nothing. They couldn't drink, they couldn't do anything. So I was focused on getting these quills out and then oh. dealing with it afterwards. And dogs are super hardy. And once you get them out, I mean, the quills are pretty sterile too. Like once you get them out, they're fine. And mm-hmm. so my black German Shepherd, she got them all out fine. My sable German Shepherd, one broke off in the bottom of her lip. Now the thing is with porcupine quills, they have the barbs at the end of them. And so if it's somewhere in like her chest, Or her head or something like that you have to go and get the vet to take it out because it will work its way into the body and cause a lot of trouble yeah we have a vet as a friend which is also very convenient and he just explained this to us and so what I did is I said well of course um, silica silica pushes everything out so, and it was in the lip, I wasn't too concerned at all because it's in the lip where it's really, it's not gonna go really any place. So I, I kept an eye out on it and I put it into her water and I figured it's silica, the other dog can get it too for her hair, skin and nails, it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> so I put it in She'll the water. She'll have beautiful water. nails. <laughs> yeah, and teeth, <laughs> and so I put it in the water and I could see the pus starting to come out and slowly but surely it's working its way out. And then I talked to you, Kate, the other day and you said you just used uh, 30. I don't know. I just used what I had a six or a nine or something like that. And so then I just started doing the 30 and I saw a little piece coming out at the top. So I pull that out, but I think there's still more, but it's very, very small. It's very contained. It's not going anywhere else. And I just sort of push at it every day. My dog loves me for that, of course, but I just (laughs) sort of push it out and I see some pus and I see that the body's doing its job by, you know, containing it and working its way out. So that's pretty awesome. And you know, you're not scared at all, right? There's no fear. When you know what you're doing, there's no fear. Oh, I'll just use silica, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh. All right. So Humans? share with us some of, yeah, some of those human stories. Like with your kids, I'm sure you've had things that have happened.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's always the bump. There's always the bruise. There's always the scrape and scratch. I mean, I couldn't imagine my life without Arnica and Calendula. Seriously, Mm -hmm. and hypericum, of course. But the one again that really stands out in my mind that I found was a real victory was croup. Okay. And I had learned about croup in the drug-free family course. My kids are super healthy because I started this before I had kids, so I was prepared. And yeah. Um. So I'm kind of just waiting for stuff to happen so I can use my newfound knowledge. And last Christmas, my son does his usual. When I know he's coming down with something mothers just know when their kids are this is happening yes. and so yeah. he's on the couch I think I'm making some Christmas ornaments at the table and I hear this cough and I'm like is that croup I think that's croup and so in my mind I'm going ash aconite spongia tosta our ourself those are the three top remedies for croup and I'm going okay Aconites usually comes on powerful, comes on strong. That's the first remedy we think of. But usually it happens around midnight, right? And it wasn't midnight. It was well before midnight. I'm like, this is more like spongia tosta, which is like a saw going through wood. I will never forget that, right? When Joette talked about it in that Drug-Free Family Course. And I thought, I'm going to try spongia tosta. And so I started with spongia tosta 30. And I probably gave him four doses total. And I stayed up with him, he, and he was very scared, which is also indicative of aconite. But I wanted to stick with spongia. Mm-hmm. Just stayed up, stayed up with him. We just read, and then he would fall asleep, and then wake up, and then that hacking cough again. And then we were able to, after about four doses, it was, it was done for the night. It was done. Went to sleep. Okay. It was fine. The next night, it started again, but it was much milder. Used spongia tosta again, probably only two doses. And that was it. Mm. And I remember talking to my stepmother, who is my father's wife. And she said, croup, what did you do? And I said, I used homeopathy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Like, it was no big deal. Because her daughter had to take her son to the emergency room three times mm. when he had croup. Oh, wow. So I'm like... The emergency room is for a broken bone, not for croup. It's just <laughs> crazy to me. So
0: that first night when you gave him the spongia, uh, how often did you give it?
1: At first, I gave it every 30 minutes because it wasn't crazy. And I would take him into the shower and get that steam going. And that really helped him a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And um, gave him hot water with a little sea salt, which he called special water. And so that really <laughs> helped him, too because i just remember the bronchioles you sort of relax the bronchioles with the salt and the mm. the the warm water right so that's all i did that's all oh mm -hmm. yeah that's
0: awesome Mm -hmm.
1: i know a lot of mothers and a lot of people in general have trouble with the skin conditions the eczema mm-hmm. and I was quite frustrated with it as well because I tried to help a couple of people without any really great success And this mm-hmm. is when I just first started about the good get bad gut course and the skin course and I probably didn't listen to it enough times or I needed more information And mm-hmm. so it's cumulative now that I have all of these courses and I listen to them all and then I start from the beginning and I listen again mm-hmm. and so you start to really I don't want to say I'm an expert, but it's coming together for me. So Mm -hmm. with the one little girl, and I don't know all the circumstances, but I tried to help her, and it wasn't helping that. And so I was a little more cautious working with this little boy, and he was probably eight months old. He's blanketed in eczema very bad, to the point where people were staring at him and saying, like, what's wrong with your child? And his mother has psoriasis. So it's it's an inherited trait. She's a nurse. He had a birth in what she called a very normal birth. All of the standard things were given, maybe except the epidural. You know, oh, he had this and we had this and we had this. But I mean, that's just that's just normal. I'm like, okay, you know, you would say it's nothing to do, (laughs) right? What are you gonna do? What do you mean normal? Okay. (laughs) So I'm thinking in my brain. Well, that's what triggered it. All of these little things triggered the eczema in this little boy. And so I tried the first line for eczema. And it did not help, it made the eczema worse. And it's very interesting because that remedy may not have been correct, but it opened the door to the correct one. So it peeled back that layer, right? So we were able to see what the real remedy was. And his mother realized she had forgotten to tell me a very important thing where it's burning and it's worse with hot water Mm. or it's burning, right? And so I went, oh, sulfur. And so I said, quit that other stuff. She did an know to take care of that family inheritance and sulfur. And it was done. She was thrilled. Thrilled. She went, you know what, we're done. I think I want to take a break from the remedies and, you know, everything's great. And I said, great. You can talk to me again if you want to work on those food intolerances, right? Because, mm-hmm. of course, he has those too. And yes. she's great. Yes, I will for sure. She was just elated, right? You make believers. Yeah, <laughs> that,
0: right? Yeah. Lisa, you mentioned a couple of Joette's courses that you listen to over and over again, Good Gut Bad Gut and Skin the Ugly Truth course along with the others. So for those of you wanting to know more about these courses, we will put a link to them in the resource section at the top of the transcript for this podcast. Um for those of you listening to this podcast not on Joette's website, to find this transcript just go to Joette's website practicalhomeopathy.com and look up podcast 60. You can also just Google Joette Calabrese podcast 60, and you should find it that way as well. And I love how you said we get that first remedy and it doesn't hit it. You know, a lot of times people can get discouraged if it doesn't take care of it completely. I've heard Joette say this many times that that remedy, though it may not have been 100% correct, it will often point us in the direction and make it more clear the best remedy.
1: Yes, that was a huge little tidbit that after listening and listening, I heard it, you know, when you hear something, because you Mm -hmm. listen again and again and again, and then you're and then you hear that one thing that you almost needed to know. And you use Mm -hmm. that and it's so wonderful. So that's why when she's talking and Laura's talking in the courses and saying, listen to it again and again. And I'm thinking, of course you have to listen to it. You're listening to it once. Are you nuts? you can <laughs> not going get like 10% to, of what yes. you need to know if you're not hearing it again and again and again, mm-hmm. because things start to come out and be clear and make sense to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't need to listen to this skin course. I've heard it, you know, I don't need it right now. And I make myself, it's like studying, right? You make yourself do it. Uh Oh man, I'm so glad I listened to it because I got that little tidbit and it helped. And that little tidbit pointing you in the right direction was huge for me And at this time, right? And I use Mm -hmm. it a lot.
0: And as I lead study groups, you know, the gateway to homeopathy study groups, every time I lead a group. I get something new out of that material in that book or something totally. someone says. And so I just feel like you cannot study your materials, whatever it is that you're studying enough. Keep going over and over them, like you said, because you're going to find that little bit of information that you need. And so it'll pop out this time to you. And it didn't even phase you before. You didn't even hear it before. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: Absolutely. That's with anything. Absolutely. With anything. Yes,
0: with anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So delve right in. Do it, hundred (laughs) percent.
0: Yeah. Lisa, you've shared with us so much. Do you have any closing remarks for those who are listening? Anything that you want to share that you think would be important for them to know?
1: Yeah, so for the person who is just starting out, this is kind of what would have helped me had I I heard it, is to not get overwhelmed. Because homeopathy is so big. And it's wonderful that it's big because it's a lifelong study and you never get bored. You never get tired of it. It's awesome. So don't get overwhelmed. Just get started. Just start. Learn it. Use it. Use your pets and your family and your friends as your (laughs) guinea pigs to practice who don't mind if, you know, you get it wrong the first time, the second time. They'll still keep with you, right? Or they're your family and they have no choice (laughs) because that's how we learn. So, you know, there are times when you will get frustrated and you think that you can't do it, but you just keep trying, you keep learning, and you will get it. Because that's just how it works with anything. And then that feeling that you get when you're able to help others is pretty addictive. And sometimes that's all you need to spur you on to keep reading and to keep learning. Mm -hmm. For the more experienced uh, person, I don't know if I'm qualified to speak to those of you out there. (laughs) I'm sure sure you are. But here's what I got. And it took me a while to think about what I wanted to say. But Currently, at this time, I want to say never underestimate the power of a good diagnosis. Because when I was first started to learn homeopathy, classically, I thought that all I needed were the symptoms and that that was good enough. And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. God gave us good doctors for a reason. And if I can just use one more example for myself, because I think it's a good one, I got something on my finger and it was started to get a little swollen, and started to get a little painful to the touch, and I didn't know what it was. But it had lasted for over a week, and so I knew that it wasn't just a little cut or something, and there was no cut, there was nothing, it was just a little swollen finger. And I tried numerous remedies, to no avail. And I was very frustrated. And you start to second guess yourself and going, well, maybe this doesn't work. (laughs) For some reason, you forget Mm -hmm. about all of the successes you've had in the past.
0: (laughs) And then you second guess
1: yourself, well, maybe I just suck at this homeopathy thing, right? (laughs) You start to think those things. Yeah. And then um, we're sitting at the kitchen table and my dad had come over and I said, dad, what is this? And he goes, looks like a little infection to me. Oh, okay. And I had already started doing it that Morning, because I'd looked on the Facebook forum and I'm looking through, seeing if I can find any bit of tidbits, right? Because I wasn't getting anywhere by myself. And I thought, you know what? Maybe it's an infection. I can't see anything. It's not super painful, but I'm going to start. So I started the infection protocol and then my dad confirms it. It started to work that night and then it was gone within three days and now it's like completely done. You know, all I needed was a good diagnosis. And apparently homeopathy does work and I don't suck at it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, apparently it still works. <laughs> so that's the thing. Even though you can be super experienced, you've done it for a long time. You can still get those moments, but don't be what's the word, don't be discouraged, you know, just keep doing it, you will find the answer, you will. So don't give up, you have to go back and remind yourself of all those successes that you've had, Mm -hmm. then okay, I guess this will work, you know. So the bottom line is, don't give up, don't give up. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's when it's great also to have either someone to diagnose or a community of people to come alongside you and say, hey, what about this, what about this, oh, I didn't think about that, and
1: I love that. Yes. Totally. And I don't have a lot of people, you know, I'm not from a really big place, so not many people are into this. I'm the most knowledgeable in my area. And so I don't really have anybody to help me. And so physicians I think are very helpful in that sense. And then I can go back and ask Mm -hmm. on the forum or go back to my books, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Community is good. It's really, really good. Very important. No man is an Island. (laughs) (laughs) Or a woman, no woman. Yes. Yes. Well,
0: thank you, Lisa. You've been an inspiration to me and I've loved our conversation. So thank you for taking the time to share with us. I just appreciate you. Thank you, Kate. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit in your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.